afternoon again. All right. How y'all doing? Y'all sure? Amen. 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 How many of you glad to gather today and to worship the living God and to hang out together and be encouraged by God's truth um, that comes through Jesus Christ? And so I'm glad to be here as well. Um, how many of you were uh, participants in our solemn assembly last week uh, by show of hands? Put those hands up higher for me one more time. Amen. 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 Well, if you missed it, you missed an opportunity, an opportunity I think that's always great because here at Epiphany Fellowship, once a year, um, when the, the first full week of the year, we spend the week fasting and praying before the Lord and seeking God's face. And how many of you that participated would say that God met you this week, that God met you this week? Amen. 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 And, and so our desire is to continue that. But uh, how many of you know that you don't have to just wait to solemn assembly to seek God's face? Oh, my God, help me today. I'm so glad that there's one mediator between God and man, and his name is Jesus Christ. One mediator. And so, and, so, and so with that in mind, we do that because we want to open ourselves up to the Lord. One of the things you'll see uh, throughout the Bible is there are damnable uh, consequences when you don't seek God's face. And uh, most of the mistakes made by the kings and the judges was made because they made a move without seeking God first. And so, and, so, and so that's an important part of it. I, I, every year I make sort of a chart, and I, I have this, this detailed chart of things that I want to see God do, everything from my soul to my wife's soul to shepherding my sons. I have their names and things that I'm specifically praying for them in and uh, scriptures that I'm believing God over them and in their life and, and that type of thing. And so th- my sons, this is sort of their first time participating this year, and so they had to give up sweets and, and games and TV, and um, that was for them fasting. I mean, that was like, man, um, you know, uh, sackcloth and ashes for them. You know what I'm saying? But, um, but it was just a great time to begin to nurture uh, in my oldest son, who is a believer in Christ, and my younger son, who's not yet a believer, but I, I, I can see God wooing him in and just training him in that. But it's interesting that out of all of the diagnostics I had on that sheet, you know, this year God was like, I'm not going to even pay attention to your little seek me, seek, seek me sheet. God, 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 was, God was like showing me from a biblical theological standpoint that sometimes I just want you to seek me without an agenda. Help me today. Now, and that, now what's crazy about that is the agenda can even be good, but sometimes a good agenda isn't a reflection of the greatness of what God wants to do in our lives. And so God, God wouldn't let me, I would try to go get it and all, and we just be, and he's just showing me all kinds of different stuff, showing me bitterness in my heart towards folk. I was like, I, that wasn't on the list, you know what I'm saying? You know, that wasn't on the list. We supposed to stick to the paper, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, unforgiveness, getting me and my wife talking and just seeing how many distractions I had between me and her just sitting down and just facing each other and talking through some stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so you don't know. See, just sitting down, just seeking the Lord's face. And then I started praying for people that wasn't even on my radar. And so seeking God's face is about that. Many times seeking God's face ain't about you. It's about somebody else. Um, and 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 so participate with us. If you're a covenant community member here, you need to be participating in body practices. That means when the body comes together to see God's face together, and you're not working or you ain't got nothing to do, but you just wasn't involved, that's not a good thing. When God called God's people together, he calls all God's people together. But not only that, if, if you're not a covenant community member, that's another conversation, like Pastor Larry said, um, that, that we need to have. But it's very, very important for, for us as we, we take advantage of those times, but then during the course of the year to maximize it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody. A to the men. Let's uh, stand to our feet as we get into our passage for today. Um, we will, we, we're still in 1 Corinthians, so we're in 1 Corinthians 4. In a few weeks, I'll be going through our yearly State of the Church address. I'll be praying for God's leading, leading and guidance for us as we go through our State of the Church address to kind of give us God's focus for this season of what he's doing, what he's done, and what he's going to do. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4. Uh, verses 8 through verses 13. When you get there, say amen. 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 I'm going to read verse 8, and you guys keep going. Let's read together. Already, already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign. 
so that we might share the rule with you. Keep going. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen, amen. I know y'all like, what is about to happen? Uh, I, <laughs> I want to I I talk about today, and don't let the title scare you. I want to talk about today the prosperity of the gospel. Don't, don't let that title scare you away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the prosperity, the true prosperity that is in the gospel. Help us to see those principles that's in this text. And God, and, and, and we need your power to move. Uh, we, I, I, I need your people. I, I know you need, you need your people to be receptive. So I pray that their spiritual antennas would be designated towards heaven's frequency right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And that we would have our lives turned toxy-turvy by Jesus Christ. And that, God, you would saturate us with what it means to walk with you no matter what and to view prosperity from heaven's standpoint, not a human standpoint. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray everybody agree with that said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, I consider myself sort of a style rebel. Uh, what, what I mean by that is I don't, I don't like to wear what everybody else deems popular. And so, so, so I remember I, 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 I like Butter Tims until everybody got them. Butter Tims are the tan shoes with the tree on the side, rear back for those who don't know, and it's called Timberlands. In the hood, we call them Tims for short. The color looks a light, creamish beige color in which we call butter, all right? So we say Butter Tims for short, right? And so, and so, and so, just for my people, because some of some of, some of my people out there was like, "Thank you, Pastor. You breaking it down for me." All right. And so, and so, and so, we 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 got. Uh, and so, Butter Tims have like become popular. I mean, over and over and over and over again. Jay Z put out DOA. People stopped wearing them. All of a sudden, everybody got them on. You know what I'm saying? Butter Tims back again. But if you if you go on, if you go and study the reason why Timberland made those shoes, those shoes weren't made for style. They literally weren't made for you to look good, uh, uh, um, but they were literally made for you to work in. They're, they're, they're work boots, but you know the hood, we can make anything look good for style, you know what I'm saying? And, you, and you're going to look at them like this and like that and carry on, you know, and roll up your, you know, your joints so everybody can see the niceness of them. But technically, they weren't meant to stay clean. They were meant to get dirty. Somebody going to help me in a minute. They, they, they were made for a more grimy reason, but we wanted to use them for a more stylistic and vain reason because we wanted to take something that was created for griminess and something that was created for work and, 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 and to be used to get in the grime and grit and get something done to just stand and look good. In, 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 in other words, we redefine the manufacturer's intent for the reason why he created those shoes. Well, today I'm going to let you know there's some things that I want to take back from the devil. There's some things that the enemy has used in the body of Christ to rename and rebrand what God created. That, that principle called prosperity is a very, very biblical idea, but there have been some false teachers that have hijacked and hoodwinked God's teaching in helping God's people by hurting them, by taking prosperity and using it to say, if you know your life is spiritually where it's supposed to be, if everything in your life is all right. 
But when I look at my, y'all got quiet right there. Y'all see it's turning the corner, but that's all right. I'll preach it anyhow because I know this ain't an amen message. This is a hey man message. And so, um, and, and so, and so, and so, and so, and so what, what has happened is, is that, is, is that, is that God is, wants to get back the branding techniques of everything he's communicated. See, the word prosperity in the Old Testament in Tanakh, it, it, it's a word that means, based on Joshua chapter 8, which is a popular verse, it means to have success. In other words, God bringing to pass his desired ends in your life and his desired results. Let me say that again. It, 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 God bringing, back, bringing to pass his desired ends. Somebody say his. So his desired ends and his desired results. But now what it's been made into is we tried to make prosperity our results with God's help. You see the difference? In other words, what we've dreamed prosperity is, we've redefined it as blingology as a lifestyle. That if God is God and God is a beast in my life, then I, I demand that I be made rich. If, 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 if God is prosperous in my life, that means that I'll never get sick. If God, that means I'll never go through any type of difficulty. But when I read the pages of the Holy Writ, it tells a different branding story about how God branded the theology of prosperity. So we come to the book of 1 Corinthians where the believers in Christ are actually spiritually immature. And one of the reasons why they have been perpetually in a spiritually immature state is because they have an over-realized eschatology. Okay, let me explain that. Eschatology is the revelation of the last things that God is going to do and in consummating and bringing the fullness of redemption to God's people. That means new body healed, no more crying, no more dying, no more tears, no more issues. That's called the eternal state. The problem is when we act like Christ's death on the cross and resurrection doesn't in process reveal last things, but what we do is we take what God is going to do and demand that all of that be done now when it was never meant for that. What God was, is going to do is supposed to be a picture of what we should be looking forward to, not, not, not just having that. Now, God does give trailers, by the way. Does he heal? Does he provide reason? Yes. The problem comes is when we demand eschatology to be our present reality. Wish I had some help right there. And so the Corinthians, they over-realized eschatology. What, what, what they began to do is if God didn't do it that way, then they would judge your spiritual life as not being in proper alignment with the gospel. But Paul is about to redefine prosperity from their foolish mindset, which brings me to my first point. If you're going to walk in the true prosperity of the gospel, you're going to walk in it, number one, I got two points. Number one, the, you must recognize that the prosperity of the gospel recognizes that some blessings come now, but all blessings come later. Let me, let me say that again. That, that, that you, you must recognize that some blessings, some, somebody say some, some come now, but all come later. <clears throat> look, look, look at the text. He says, Paul, Paul's being facetious here. He, he's sort of making fun of their philosophy. He says, already you, he said, already you have what you want. Now, 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 this idea of having what you want means to be satisfied fully. Now, if you know anything about being a Christian, <clears throat> you aren't in this life going to be fully satisfied at all. Help me today. Listen, it, it is a reason why you're not fully satisfied today. But if you find yourself fully satisfied today, that means that you're not satisfied with him because it's, it's, it's impossible to be in this world. Help me today. And, and be fully satisfied because you don't even have everything fully given to you functionally in your life to apply to full satisfaction. So that means that life is going to be tough. And the, 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 the reason why he says you're already fully satisfied, in other words, because they let substandard things define satisfaction. Oh, help me today, God. In other words, there were some things in their life that God created that they let satisfy him, them rather than him. And so it's more full. See, when God is your satisfaction, you live in the tension. 
Because when you're allowing God to satisfy you, 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 you're in a world that's dissatisfactory. And so you're wrestling and you're struggling between being satisfied by God and being satisfied by what he created. Satisfied by, in other words, but, but, but he's saying, you've let life pacify you. Let, let me see if I can make it plain. And when, 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 you give, when you give a baby a pacifier, it is exactly what it is. It's to, it's to calm you down to make you feel like you're being nurtured and nourished when you really aren't. In, in other words, but then babies grow, begin to grow and develop in learning about the pacifier. And there are sometimes when the baby's yelling and you try to put the pacifier in the baby's mouth and the baby like, ah, and start hollering again. And the reason why the baby starts hollering again is because they are sick and tired of you trying to put something in their mouth that provides no sustenance. And so because of that, they begin hollering at you to get them some sustenance. They say, I'm used to sucking on something, but I want to suck on something that has something coming through it to give me nourishment. You need to get tired in your life of sucking on pacifiers in your life. Listen, some of y'all got some stuff that's been pacifying you for so long, and, and they're nothing but broken cisterns that provide nothing at all. But you need to get to the point where you spit that mess out of your mouth, and you say, God, I'm not going to be satisfied with the same old, same old mess in my life that's been pacifying me in my existence, because I don't want to be satisfied with anything that isn't a pipeline to you. Oh, help me today, God. So don't, don't let yourself, brothers and sisters, be so easily satisfied. Some of us are so easily satisfied. See, that's what he's saying about the Corinthians. He said, you're so spiritually immature, you let substandard things that God has created satisfy you when he should be the fullness of your satisfaction. See, don't, 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 don't let any, listen, get for you from God what satisfies don't get on earth what only satisfies your body. That only satisfies your flesh. Some of us, if our bank account is full, we're full. If we're not having any conflict, we're not having any conflict. In other words, the, 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 it doesn't take anything to separate us from the world if we're only satisfied by things going okay. See, the prosperity of the gospel, as we'll see in a minute, is for everything not to be going okay and for you to be okay. Wish I had some time to break it down like I, like I see it. But he, but, he said, but, he said, but he said, you already have all you want. In other words, you don't, even, you don't want the Lord anymore. See, people are very scared when your circumstances, help me today, if I had, oh, I wish I had a bigger podium. Um, but, but, but I'm trying to let you know, listen, I'm trying to let you know that be very scared when your life is satisfied and that satisfaction isn't in him. Oh, my God. See, see, most of us, see, some of y'all single folk, your issue is ain't that you ain't married. That ain't it. Your issue is, is you are so preoccupied with God's created institution that you're not preoccupied with him. And so because you're not satisfied with him, you're expecting marriage to satisfy you. But when you're with your unsatisfied self, get with another unsatisfied self person, your unsatisfied selves link up together and get in marriage. And listen, I'm just telling you right now, you're just going to be two idol worshipers ticked off with each other because they're not providing for you what God never created for them to do. I'm just telling you that's not the way it's set up. There's, God has booby-trapped everything on earth to not satisfy you fully. <laughs> that's, I mean, I'm just telling you, y'all, I'm learning over and over and over again. When you, every time you try to find something, there's a difference between enjoyment and satisfaction. The Bible says God has created all things to be enjoyed by those who believe and know the truth. What truth? That it doesn't satisfy, but it's to be enjoyed. Y'all ain't listening to me today. And, 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 so, and, so, and so what happens is, is when God isn't meeting you like you want him to, you create a functional savior that pacifies you 
until you get to the point where you think God is going to satisfy you through that thing, but he never end up doing it. Never. And so he said, he's making fun of them. He says, you're so spiritually immature, you think you have all you want. You think you're fully satisfied. But then he goes from there and he says, he says, right, he says already you have become rich. Because see, it was a wealthy church. So, you know, they was fly high for looting. They had nice gear, nice chariots pulling up in front of the facility. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you, know, they, 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 you know, they had spinners on their, you know, chariots and everything. You know, nice, John. You know what I'm saying? And then somebody, you know, the valet dude, take their chariot, go around the corner. And, you know, then when they come out of church, they tip, you know, the bowl. You know what I'm saying? I mean, th- this was a fly church. And so because of that, they, 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 they like, they believe that their riches came because they're spiritually mature. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Listen, 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 listen. Your resources don't make you mature. But all of us are functional prosperity gospelites. All, all, all of us have this sense that we deserve everything that comes our way. There's this sense that when something happens to us that we don't really, really like, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, that God is letting something happen to you that you didn't deserve happen to you. I remember, I, I, mean, I remember one of my, my dudes, he's, 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 from, uh, 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 he, uh, he's, he's from the Middle East, uh, holding me accountable. We was in an accountability group in, uh, uh, in, in, in um, seminary. So I had a Korean dude, a Japanese dude, dude from the Middle East, I'm the black dude, and we had a light-skinned black dude, a dark-skinned black dude, and a white guy, right? So all of us are in the accountability group. So you can imagine the cultural issues that came up in that discipleship group. Uh, uh, and, and, and so one of the things, uh, you know, I was, I, was, I was mad at this situation that I was in. And I said, I don't deserve to be treated like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm walking with God, going to school. I got my calling. Man, all of this, I was, in my heart, I was literally like, because I've made some sacrifices in my mind that God owes me by not letting this happen to me. And my boy came to me. He said, the, the one from the Middle East. He said, he said, he said E. I said, I said, what's up, man? He said, um, I, I, I said, man, I, I, don't, I don't deserve this happening to me. He said, E, you don't deserve nothing. Now, now that's not how I felt, though, Brother Reggie. I, I, I literally, if I, I, I wanted to get a Popeye arm right here, and I wanted to put my fist through his throat and pull out his spine. I was so angry, but I knew he was right. I knew he was right. I knew that he was right because I was living a functional prosperity life. A functional prosperity life means I live right, therefore God, bring out the slot machine and release your blessings. But if Jesus Christ, who didn't do anything, could come and have everything put on him for me, and he never said, I don't deserve this, then who am I who was born in sin and shaped in iniquity and saved by his grace to point my finger back up at him and tell him what I don't deserve? (laughs) Help me today, God. Some of y'all are walking through some stuff, and y'all bitter with God because he's letting you go through something, and and you're you're like, God, I don't deserve this. You don't deserve Jack Apple. Jack. It is extremely important that we let a biblical understanding of the prosperity of the gospel help us. Because if you don't, you're going to go through this life confused. Listen, listen, you can help as many old ladies as you want across the street. You can tithe and offer as much as you want. You can serve in 15 ministries, and you can give all your money away to the poor, and you still don't deserve God's blessings. On your best day, your righteousness is nothing but some filthy, trifling, nasty uh, 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 um, um, sewage to God. How dare we act like our little activity is worth his blessing? I wish I had time, God, but you got to help me today. Oh, my goodness. But then look at what he says. Look at what he says today. Look at what he said. Look at what he said right here. He says, he says, without us, you have become kings. He putting them on blast like a mother. They, don't re- they may not realize. They probably be like, yeah, 
Because they basically, <laughs> seriously, seriously. But, but he's like being funny. He's like being funny. He's like comedic. He said, y'all kings. You know what I'm saying? Now, so, now, now black people are going to understand what I'm saying right here. Be, because you remember, I was part of the black power movement. You know what I'm saying? And we used to say all black people, black men and women were kings and queens. How many of y'all remember that? But my issue is, how everybody going to be a king and queen? Who going to be ruled? <laughs> I mean, everybody can't be a king. Can you imagine a, a, a community of people that's both king and queen? You'd be fighting and everything, right? But, but that was a subtle disposition of trying to use self-employment of self-idolatry to exalt us to believing because we were oppressed, we deserve something. Oh, ain't nobody say amen on that. Let's keep moving. <laughs> but, 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 that, but listen, he's saying, but he's making fun of them. And look, at, look how, he, how he breaks it down, right? Look how Paul breaks it down. He says, he says, without us, you have become kings. So that means that without spiritual help, you've gotten yourself together. That's what he's saying. Because all of us are going to reign with Christ as kings and well, princes and stuff like that. Princes and princesses, right? But then he says, and would that you did reign. He says, so that we might, reign, we, we might share the rule with you. In other words, he said, you have, a, you have such a high view of yourself that you believe that people are going to rule with you and not Jesus Christ. In other words, we're supposed to reign with Christ, not with you. But you can have a spiritual elitist status in your spiritual immaturity to think that your Christianity is just a better grade of Christianity than somebody else's. <laughs> and so he's, I mean, he's, he's literally lighting up the people of God to help the people of God to think, listen, even, let, let, me, let me just say this. There's a brand of Christianity that thinks because they have right theology that they don't have wrong theology within their understanding of their rightness of theology. And if you don't ascribe to these theological non-essentials and exalt them, then guess what? Then, then you, don't, you ain't in the crew with us who got this wisdom. That's immature. It's immature. And so he's jamming them. He's like, y'all ain't got nothing better than nobody else. But they think so. And spiritual infancy tries to overcompensate for where there's no maturity. That's, and, 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 and you, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to see our lives for what it really is. And so as Paul's jamming us and helping us to really get an understanding of all of these ideas, this brings me to my second point. This is my last point. The prosperity of the gospel exalts those who glory in their lowliness. The prosperity of the gospel exalts those who glory in their lowliness. Wow. And I'm on my grind. I'll be exalted on my culture. This is not what the scriptures teach. The scripture says, he says, now, now listen to Paul, how he views himself. He said, he said, for I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all. Wow. So Paul views himself based on a biblical view of himself, not letting people's view of who he is deteriorate his understanding of who he is before God. And so what's very important with that is you got to understand how Jesus picked apostles. Jesus didn't go into the synagogue and pick the high priest and didn't go to the Sanhedrin. You know what I'm saying? He didn't go to the Sadducees and Pharisees. Um, Jesus went to the shore with cussing fishermen with tattoos on, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and you, know, you know, just grimy-looking stink cats, you know what I'm saying? When he picked people to walk with him, he picked people that were, were prostitutes, help me today, God, and demon-possessed folk. He, he ain't picked the person who looked like they could be used by God. That they, yeah, 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 because if he, see, see, that's not how God looks at stuff. That, that's what Paul, Paul said. Paul said he, pick, he picking like Peter. Cursing, violent, in front of Jesus. Like, we ain't talking about what would Jesus do. He was there with Jesus, and he, you know what I'm saying? We ain't talking about, you know what I'm saying? He cutting cat's ears off, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He ready for whatever. You got, you know, you, you, know, you got Judas. He picked a dude stealing out of the ministry's treasury. 
Um, he picks uh, 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 Matthew, who's a tax gatherer, who's one of, he picks two mama's boys who um, love their mama and their mama speaking up for, Jesus, this is what I think my son should be doing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That these the these the people, you know what I'm saying? These are the people Jesus picked. And Paul says, I ain't even on their level. He says, I'm worse, I'm a worse draft pick than them. <laughs> he, now he was a Pharisee, but he was killing Christians. And he was like, I'm I shouldn't even, and he what this wasn't false humility. He had a right understanding of how broken he was. So that when God chose him, he didn't minister out of his knowledge of God looking at him and how worthy he was. He walked in his ministry out of the brokenness of knowing how far away from the peaceful shore he really was. And see, see, Paul says, so Paul says, Paul says look, I, I ain't got nothing. He says, but he, look, look at what he says, how he's viewed, though. And he's okay with this. And this, this is a struggle for God's people. Because we're appearance-oriented. And look, look, look what he says. He says, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. Now check this verse out. This is extremely powerful. That word spectacle literally means the amphitheater that they were in. Now they had the larger amphitheater, which is the larger Colosseum, which is in Rome. But then around the Roman Empire especially in Italy and in Greece, they had amphitheaters. And these amphitheaters were utilized as ways. There were gladiator stuff that went on, but there was also those who were in that culture who sat and watched. The people that were brought in were usually the lowly people that nobody wanted to be like. And what Caesar would do to exalt his authority to get people to listen to him is he would kill or martyr people as an example uh, to, so that people can know what not to do to, to not please Caesar, but also be trained to applaud those who are lowly. In other words, applaud their brokenness in the sense of not wanting to be that way. And, 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 and matter of fact, developing a lifestyle to put it on blast. Paul says, we're like them type of people. He said, he said, listen, he said, listen, I ain't, I ain't rolling. He said, I ain't rolling with Rolexes and Armani suits family. I'm the cat that's getting the snot beat out of me, and my gear is still stained with the blood of being beat for the gospel. He says, I'm a spectacle to y'all. He said, because you don't understand prosperity, you think people that go through difficulty aren't loved by the Lord. You, you think people that go through challenges aren't on God's side. Why? Because they're not a visual picture of what it looks like to physically be exalted. In other words, they don't have a fat crib outside the city. They're not living in Chestnut Hill, killing it for the, you know what I'm saying, rocking like this. You know what I'm saying, butlers and everything. You know, shopping down at Neiman Marcus and carrying on. You know what I'm saying? They not, he said, I ain't rolling like that. He said, I'm the cat that come into town that slept on, coming with the nutrition of the gospel, getting whooped, and you can't value it because you don't value the gospel. You don't value the gospel. You better learn to value the difficulty that you go through. Wish I had time. You better learn to value what God is nurturing in you because he said, he said we're a spectacle to the world. He said, I expect this out of sinners. But, the, but, then, but, then, he's, but then he says to angels. Now you got to understand, this is both elect and demons. Elect angels and demons. Now demons are like, dang, you know, you expect that from them. But the angels, the Bible says in the last verse of Peter, 1 Peter 1, it says things that angels long to look. Now, angels are all around. This is angels in here chilling right now. now when, but angels are being rocked by God in watching your life. So what happens is, is angels, they're like, this is the dumbest dude here. Like, I'm trying to help him out, bringing signs this dude's way. He's not even, like, what in the, I don't even know why I'm stationed to this cat. Like... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, but then they're, they're in there and then watching God work in our lives. And they're like, wow, I never saw that coming. Now they're trying to walk with the, wow, that was a dummy. But now he's smart as a mug, like walking with the Lord because of God's grace. Dang, look how the Holy Spirit working in her life. Wow, I would have never saw that coming. In other words, while angels are serving us, they're being rocked by God. Now, this, the thing that rocked them the most was, the day Jesus left heaven. 
You got to imagine, you cherubim, seraphim, you know what I'm saying, heavenly dudes, worshiping God forever. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Who was it? Who is it? Who is it to come? Now, all of a sudden, he disappears from heaven, his person, and goes into the body of a virgin. Angels are like, what in the world is happening right now? I mean, you got to understand what it would be like to be with God forever, and he disappears from heaven, God the Son, even though God the Father, God the Spirit was still there, and in some way, Christ's presence was there because he's uh, part of the essence of heaven, but in his person, he was on earth with the essence of heaven on earth in a woman. They were rocked. They were rocked, and they're like, he came in this chick like she's 12 or 14 or something. And then he's going to let his life look like He's a bastard child. God is going to let himself be called a bastard. Can you imagine? Growing up with the shame of his birth, but he grew up not in people recognizing how they viewed his birth as, but he grew up with the identity, that's prosperity, of knowing before God what your purpose is even when others are confused. Help me today. See, 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 that's how you grow spiritually. You don't let common opinions change how you view God's work in your life. That, that's what Jesus did. And then he died on a cross, had the wrath of God poured out on him for something he didn't do. Angels were rocked, raised from the grave. Even though they, they, they knew this was going to happen, it still was like they didn't know that it was going to happen because of how powerful it was for them. He said, but to us, you don't even understand that because you're spiritually immature. He said, and to men. He said, we live under the sentence of death. Verse 10, he says, we are fools for Christ. Listen, we're willing to look stupid. We're willing to look like dummies. We're willing to look like we don't know what we're talking about. He said, look at you, but you you are wise in Christ, ain't you? He said, you smart than a mug, ain't you? Where is it getting your maturity? Then he says, we are weak, but you're strong. See, they didn't understand strength. See, they didn't understand. See, that's why when I do funerals and stuff, you know, and I ask some of the patriarchs and matriarchs, I, I say, I say um, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing strong. I'm doing good. I'm sh- trying to be strong for my family. I like, how are you doing that? Well, you know, I'm just being strong so that everybody else can have someone to lean on. I'm like, you sound like you're being strong in your own strength. So in other words, you're putting on a fake strength to act like nothing is going on, even though it is going on, so that other people who are grieving because this is going on can follow you in faking, not dealing with the brokenness of their grief. I say, but when I read my Bible, it doesn't say the strong make themselves strong. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, in your weakness, his strength is perfect in you. That means the best way to lead is admitting how weak you are. Help me today. Help me today. Help me today. Some of, some of y'all need to, some of y'all husbands, you know y'all think, I gotta be strong for the family. Gotta be strong. Nah, being strong, you know, you go lift some weights and do some, pol- whatever, you know, doing all this, account, watch P90X or whatever you do, and you get yourself together and you walk in there. But God ain't with that. Show how weak you are. Let your wife and your kids see how broken you are, but you're trusting in the God who's near to the brokenhearted and, and is close to those who are crushed in spirit. That's what my Bible says. And as he makes you strong, they follow you in your weakness so that when you're made strong, they're following the Christ who made you strong. So now you are being strong for them because Christ was already strong for you. Y'all ain't listening to me today. And so I'm just trying to tell you today, you better learn. You see, that's prosperity. Prosperity is facing brokenness so that you can be healed. That's, that's biblical, not speaking. I'm, going to speak. I don't, I'm not grieving in Jesus' name. I don't have sickness in, G, in Jesus' name. I'm not. Like, where is that in the Bible? I see dudes saying, God, I'm weak. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, if this cup could pass for me, let it pass. But that's what I hear in the Bible. I don't hear all of you, I'm going to be strong for everybody, and everybody going to watch. That ain't high whack. I need to close, don't I? He said, you are held in honor, but we are disrepute. 
So we're not honored. He said, to the present hour, verse 11, <coughs> we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. This don't sound like no prosperity gospel that's preached in our context. You know what I'm saying? Let the preacher get up and say, I'm homeless. <laughs> Let the preacher say that. I'm poorly dressed. Pastor, we need to have a pastor's committee to get the pastor some new suits and some new cosmetics because we can't have our pastor looking like that. But the Bible says that my man Paul was poorly dressed. He, and he's saying this, and he's not using a poverty gospel to balance out a prosperity gospel. Your physical state, whether on poor or on riches side, because there are people that believe the poorer you are, the more closer to God you are. That's heresy. Some people believe the richer you are, the more closer you are to God. That's equally heresy. But my Bible says, God, don't make me rich lest I forget about you. But don't let me get poor so, you know what I'm saying, so I'll steal from the Lord my God. In other words, there, there was a striking balance in the Bible, but there are times when God puts you through a season of lack. And you can't speak into existence a rich, not nary a dollar, not, na not no platinum, not no gold, not no silver. Listen, when God has anointed you to be in the season that you're in, you better learn a biblical understanding of prosperity. Because if you believe prosperity is getting out, you've missed it. You've missed the whole reason of why you're called to be his. Help me today. I got to close. He says, and we labor, working with our own hands. So we don't have a lot, but we're not lazy. He said, when reviled, we bless. That's weird. When somebody put me on blast, I say, God bless your heart. Man, I don't know. That's rough. But that's what he says, the prosperity of the gospel. He, the prosperity of the gospel lets you not treat people like they treat you. Now, that take that. That's prosperity like a mug, y'all. I mean, what? Let's keep reading. When persecuted, we endure. I count it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect work in you. And if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask of God. What's prosperity? Going through difficulty in life. Why did this happen to me? Like, you know the cycle by now. See, the prosperity of the gospel says doesn't begin to ask God why something happened to them if they've been through trials over and over and over again. The drill is, let me start rejoicing and blessing God's name. Now, that's, that's the, now y'all looking at me funny. That's because y'all, anyway, that's, I'm going to just start blessing his name even though my circumstances don't reflect me blessing his name. He's, I'm going I'm to bless his, I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going I'm to lift my hands in the gathering. And no matter how many weights are on me, I'm going to tear up and I'm going to do all that, but I'm going to count it all joy. I'm going to count it, I'm going to say I'm, I, I am where I am, but I'm, I'm not really am where I am. See, you ain't missed that. See, 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 you can praise your way not into deliverance, but you can praise your way into recognizing that, God, even though you don't change my circumstance, I'm going to lift up your holy name. See, that's how you endure. When you go through some brokenness and when you go through some pain, you say, God, I'm hurting. I'm in pain, but I bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My heart will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it, and they'll bless the Lord too. Listen, you better learn how to endure through you, but that's not where it ends. Count it all joy, because it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That means how you get strong, by hanging in there and holding on to him. Y'all missed that. You missed your shouting cue. You, you hang in there and hold on to him. And while you're being tested, you get stronger. All of a sudden, you're like, wow, I ain't know I can lift like that. I ain't know I can curl like that. Wow, I'm squatting like, wow, that was, that was 500. Wow, 600. Wow, seven. because the testing of your faith produces endurance. And it says, let endurance have its perfect work in you. 
That means that God is going to perfect you. But he said, if anybody is stupid, if you lack wisdom, you don't know why in the world is going on. You say, God, I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen to me. But I don't want this to cloud my perspective. So I'm going to do something crazy. I want to ask you why. I want to tell you that I don't deserve to be right here. I want to tell you how frustrated and ticked off at you I am, but I know that that don't help me to grow. So instead of doing that by enduring, will you give me some wisdom? In other words, will you, will you teach me how to walk with you while everything is not going well in my life? God, will you teach me how to stand up under a trial? Will you teach me how to not stop going to church because I'm mad about where I am? God, will you teach me to stop back going to life group because I need to be around the people? Well, God, will you teach me? See, some of y'all's problem is you let your difficulty be a sign and falsely that God doesn't love you and that he's not active and that he's not with you. But let me just test you something. The, the reality is, is when you're going through, he's with you more than ever. You missed that. He's with you more than ever and he's going to take care of you, but you have to go to him by faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone, who is your love and who is your strength, and you can endure anything by his strength. But you got to start. You, you ain't start blessing his name yet because you, that's the first thing you got to do. You got to lift his name up. You got to honor him beyond your circumstance because when you honor him beyond your circumstance, your circums, it confuses the devil. It does. It confuses the enemy that God's people wouldn't join him, but they would bless God who's afflicting them. That's why Job could say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yes, yes, yes. That's, that's why I can say he, he, he be, You can begin to quote, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of all of them. Listen, let me just tell you something right now. Trouble don't last always. Wherever you are, I don't care where you are, one day Christ is going to come back. And what he's going to do is all of the pain and all of the crying and all of the sickness and all of the disappointments that you've experienced, he's going to wipe them away. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he's going to give you a brand new body that ain't going to ever get sick no more. That ain't going to never gain weight no more. Hallelujah to the God of heaven. Listen, that, that, that you will be able to drink heaven's wine and never get drunk. Listen, let me tell you something. When Christ comes back and he's our all in all, most of all, we'll be with him forever. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We'll be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And when I get there, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to ask Adam, why did he do it? I'm not gonna, this is all your fault, dog. And I'm not going to ask Adam, why did you do it? I, I, I'm not going to ask Moses, what did it look like when the Red Sea part? I'm not going to ask any of those questions. When I look into his face. I'll see his glory forevermore and meditate on his saving grace. And all I want to say today is, is you better hold on to God's unchanging hand and recognize that there is prosperity in the gospel. But true prosperity in the gospel is conflict happening, brokenness happening, sickness happening, and you still loving him. And you're frustrated in your marriage, but you still press forward. Your money may be funny, but the Messiah ain't. You just keep pressing where you are. I don't know who I'm talking to today who's in need of encouragement by God, but prosperity is found in God, God through Jesus Christ, keeping you even though your life hasn't changed yet. <laughs> Prosperity is God changing you and your circumstances not necessarily changing. I'm closing. Prosperity is believing God for healing. It is. And, and, and if he doesn't, uh-oh, uh-oh, if he doesn't, you don't question his love. But you keep on pressing. And you say, now, why am I into this, Lord? What do you want to show me? What do you want to show me? Listen, 
That's what life is filled with. And I pray that we believe God for healing. We believe God for resources. We believe God for deliverance. We believe God for change. Yet not realizing that the tension in the coin is sometimes he doesn't. And that does not mean that he's not there and that he doesn't love you. But it just means that the way he's going to conform you into Christ's image is not through healing happening, but through you being kept in the midst of the confusion of the brokenness of not being healed. I'm out of your way. Father, every head bow, every eye closed. Um, Lord, there is a necessity for us to embrace the comprehensive sectors of the multifaceted glory of your wisdom. The way you choose and do, do things is so massively different than what we would have chosen many times in life. Because you, you are the God that doesn't waste a resource. What you do in our lives, God, is you use everything as a way to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And if we live a life, I'm not talking about life that reflects and lives in line with your promises, that you do promise things to those who are in you. But you have ways in which you decide you're going to release those promises. And God, many times, many of us get confused about your character because you, we, you don't bring your promises or what we think are applications of your promises to pass in our lives in ways that we didn't expect. And so I pray today, God, for there to be a deep sense of God neediness among your people, and that we would, we would press in towards you deeper, and that we would learn how to lift your name up no matter what, that we would learn how to maximize every single season that you've given us for your glory. And Lord, my God, maybe someone here is here, and they don't know Christ there as their life. They don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Maybe they're here today and have never, ever placed their confidence in his substitutionary death, him dying on the cross, taking the fullness of your wrath upon himself that should have been on us, and he died absorbing your wrath, completing the sacrifice, and being raised up from the grave on the third day. And if that person repents of their sin and places all of their confidence in that reality of Christ's death on the cross and resurrection. They shall be saved. If you're here today and you haven't put your confidence in Jesus Christ, put your faith, your trust in him and him alone, not saying that I grew up in the church or I was on the choir, like none of that counts as salvation. It's Christ and Christ alone. If you're here today and you want to put your faith in him, slip your hand in the air.